Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The word saved is in the Bible, and it occurs hundreds of times. It is not an option for individuals who ever want to be in heaven. Yes, salvation is a possibility, but it is also an absolute necessity. The Bible says we must be saved, and it is obvious as to why. Because we are sinners, we have sinned against God, and sin certainly cannot enter into God's holy heaven. It needs to be removed. We need new life in Christ. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. David Peterson looks at what we need to know about being saved, its importance, and how we can experience it in our lives. We hope that you will listen carefully to this tremendously important topic in Scripture. Yes, Christ came into the world to save sinners. Are you saved? John 3 and 17 For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world through him might be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 of Acts 4, Peter is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says about him, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We must be saved. Now Acts, please, chapter 16, verse 29, And said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. In Acts 27.31, he said, Except these abide in the ship, ye or you cannot be saved. You cannot be saved. Now we're thinking of this word saved. It's a great Bible word. It's a great gospel word, a New Testament word. You'll find it, at least the Greek word translated saved, about 110 times in the New Testament. It's found on the lips of Paul. It's found on the lips of Peter. It's found on the lips of the Lord Jesus and those that followed him. A blessed word, a wonderful gospel word. The word saved. Are you saved? Safe. Safe. We read four different places with this word in it. I want to think, first of all, of salvation, of being safe or saved as a necessity. Peter is preaching to those men in Acts 4. He tells them, and I think he wants not just them to know, but all of us to know, we must be saved. We must be saved. Neither is there salvation in any other, in any other person. It's only through Christ. But he says, whereby we must be saved. Salvation is a necessity. You need to be saved. I need to be saved. And there's a reason why. In John 3, we have the words of the Lord Jesus. For God sent not his son into the world 
to condemn the world, but that the world through him, not now, must be saved, but might be saved. That salvation is not just a necessity, but it is actually a possibility. You could be saved. That's why the Lord Jesus was here. God sent his son into the world that you might be saved. Salvation is a possibility. Now, of course, when we turn to Acts 16 and this jailer has had such an evening, it was at midnight when this happened. This was midnight madness in the jail. And he comes to his prisoners and he he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Salvation is a certainty. A certainty. You can know. You can know that you're safe. That you're saved. Then we come to Acts 27 and we're just borrowing this phrase that's on the lips of the Apostle Paul. He says, except these abide in the ship. He says, you cannot be saved. And I just want to impress upon all of us that the reality of salvation becoming an impossibility. Impossibility. That's a serious thing. Why is salvation a necessity? Why does the Bible say we must be saved? We have to be saved from something, right? It must be important. There must be some serious problem that we have. If the Bible says we must be saved, there must be a problem. And there is a problem. The way we use the word saved, even physically, in the physical realm, not now the spiritual realm, it can imply disease. If somebody gets a disease, a sickness, we would use the word saved. They need to be saved. It won't do to just say, yeah, I know I got this disease, but it'll probably go away. No, no, no. Suddenly, the seriousness of this illness is such that we say, we have to act. We need to be saved. We need to see the doctor. We need to have surgery. We need to take the the medicine, the treatment. We must be saved because of disease. And that's our problem. We have a disease. The disease is sin. And it's a serious one. It will not go away on its own. It will not improve over time. It will not get better. It will destroy us. That's why the Lord Jesus came. The angel said to Joseph, he said, you'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It's sin that is the problem. The Lord Jesus came because of the disease of sin. And we all have that disease. It needs to be remedied. Well, how serious is it? Well, there's another word that is implied when we use the word saved. It's not just there could be a disease, that there's danger. There's danger. If somebody's in danger, we would say they need to be saved, right? And our disease of sin has placed us in that danger. And you know what the danger is? The danger is that we would die in our sins and be in hell and be in hell forever. That's the danger. That's the reality. Now, sometimes people are not aware of the danger. A gospel meeting is like an awareness meeting. We're sounding out the warning, telling you this is serious. This is a problem. There is danger of the highest magnitude. It is Heaven or hell forever. Sometimes when people are not aware of the danger, you do what you can to, to make them aware of it. A number of years ago, an engineer on, on a train going across the western prairie, he would go day after day on the same route, and he, he saw this little girl come out in the front of her cabin and wave to him. She loved to hear the train is coming, and she would go out, and she would stand there and wave. He got in the habit of waving back, and it soon became the day's joy to him. Well, one day... The train was late, and it arrived at dusk. As the engineer stood at his post, he was looking for the girl. He didn't see her. He was wondering, I'm late. She's probably inside. She was not inside. She was right on the tracks, wondering where the train was. 
And then she saw it coming and she started waving. Was she in danger? She was in danger. Did she know it? No. And he did everything, of course, in his power to make her aware of it. Right? The whistles are going. And he's yelling and shouting and screaming. Why would you, why would you go through all of that? Because she didn't realize the danger. And listen, sometimes in a gospel meeting, we might get a little loud and hopefully impress upon you the urgency of the problem. And if we had some sirens, we might even blare them. Don't you see where you're going? That you are in a collision course. Your sin is taking you down. You're in danger of losing your soul forever. What that man ended up doing is because she wasn't aware of it, whistle didn't work and he went out on the front of what you, I guess what they called the cow catcher back then. And, uh, he leaned way out. As he reversed the engines, he went out to the, and he leaned way out to that little girl and she's still standing there like this. And as he got to where she was, he grabbed her by the hair and hurled her in that direction. And just the force of it ended up pulling him with her. And so the two went, rolling down the down the side of the tracks and when they found them that the little girl was wrapped in his arms they were okay she was safe she was saved he was trying to make her aware that she needed a savior listen you need a savior you must be saved because of the danger of your sin that brings up another d word it also implies there must be dependence on somebody else whenever you're saved who does the saving you no you would not use the word saved in that setting. You might use the word survived. I'll give you an example. You're out in the lake with your friends, and you're in a boat, and you're not wearing a life jacket, and you're having a good old time, and suddenly the boat tips or whatever, and you fall out in the water, and the boat keeps going, and then turns around and realizes that you're, you're a good ways off. But you can swim. So the boat pulls around, and you just make your way to where the boat is, and you work your way to the edge of the boat and you pull yourself up into the boat. Or what are you going to say now? Are you saved? Was that salvation? That was survival. You did it. Good job. You're glad you took the swimming classes. Now, let's say you fall out of the boat, you don't have a life jacket on, and you don't know how to swim, and the boat's pretty far away. Now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble. And you start yelling out, Help! Help! And they toss you that life ring, right? hold on to it and you hold on and then the boat comes over and the arm reaches out and pulls you up into the boat what are you going to say now thank you for saving me thank you for rescuing me the way we use the word saved in everyday language implies somebody else does it we have to depend on someone else to do it that someone else is the lord jesus this is why he came Again, the words of the angel, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Christ Jesus, Paul said, came into the world to save sinners. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus himself says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And because there is danger, you must be saved. You must be saved. Salvation is a necessity. I'm glad that we can say that salvation is a possibility. God could have said you must be saved, but then gave us no way that we could be. That's not the kind of God we have. Yes, you need to be saved, but then he says, and I'm going to provide it for you. Because you can't save yourself. You ever try? You ever try to you know, do something? How's it going? Is it working? It doesn't work, does it? It implies there must be someone else that does it. 
That someone else is not just anyone else. He's the only one that could save. God in the person of his son came into the world. Jesus said, for God sent. He sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, I was reading that verse. I'm so glad that the verse doesn't stop after the first nine words. You read that verse. For God sent not his son into the world. I'm glad there's not a period. If it ended there, we wouldn't have a message. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. In other words, God sending the Lord Jesus here was not so that we would see that we're sinful and can, even though looking at his righteous life, that was accomplished. But God's purpose in sending the Lord Jesus was not to show us that we were sinful. He already gave us something that showed us we were sinful. He gave us his standard. He gave us his law. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt, right? He already gave us his standard. And then we had plenty of time to realize that we couldn't keep it. So then he sent his son. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Listen, the world was already condemned. But that the world through him might be saved. This was the purpose. Even though a perfect, sinless, holy God looks and sees our awful, sinful condition, yet we can still be saved because he sent his son to die in our place. That disease of sin that you have, that disease of sin that I have, that's why he came, to take it upon himself upon the cross, to bear our sins. That's what the Bible says. He bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, upon the cross. Sometimes we forget what was going on at the cross. At the cross, between God's wrath for our sin and our safety, stood the Lord Jesus. He was in between, just like he was in between those two thieves. And it made the difference between heaven and hell for them. At the cross, he stood between the fire of the wrath of God and our salvation and our safety. And if you trust him, you can be saved. This is why he came. A long time ago in Liverpool, England, and it was nighttime, a building caught on fire in the middle of town. There was a great cry of fire, fire that was raised And when the people assembled, they saw in the upper stories of that building some men that were crying for help. They were waving out of a window. Smoke was billowing out of it. And they were waving and crying for help. The fire escape didn't nearly reach where they were. So what did they do? They didn't have the equipment that they had today. So they got the biggest ladder they could find. And they propped that ladder up against that building. It didn't quite reach. So there was a man in the crowd. He was about 6'4". And he said, I'll, I'll climb up. And so he climbed up that ladder and he got to the top rung. How would you like to be there? Leaning up against the hot brick wall, burning building and was able to get his arms inside the sill. And his face is about level with the opening of the bottom of the window. And he yells up to those men. Now he says, quick, scramble over my body and go down the ladder. What would you do? Is him being there mean that they are going to be saved. His being there means that they can be saved. Salvation for those men now is a possibility, isn't it? It was a necessity. It was an absolute necessity. The fire was raging. They were going to die. They were going to perish. But here comes one now that's standing between the fire and the ground. Safety. And he's there. And what will they have to do in order to be saved? They're going to have to trust them. They're going to have to depend on him. And they did. One at a time, I'm sure. 
They were grabbing everything they could grab, uh, the man's torso, and then on his thighs, and then finally their feet hit the rungs of the ladder, and down they went. Every last one of those men was saved because someone stood between that fire and their safety, and because they trusted him. Can I ask you, will you trust the Lord Jesus? Will you depend on him? It's not as shaky as depending on that man, by the way. That, that would be a, a very difficult thing to do. But they did it, and they were saved. Between the fire of the wrath of God and our safety stood the Lord Jesus. When that man, by the way, saved those men, he came down. He had the marks, flesh dripping from his face, hair singed, hands blistered. He had the marks to show that he saved those men. I'm glad in heaven there's one who has marks in his hands, his feet inside, that prove he loved us so much he was willing to stand in our place and be my Savior. And oh, that my Savior were your Savior too. Will you trust him? Will you rely on him? He's dependable. You can depend on him. In Acts 16, we read about this jailer, and I don't know that he knows very much about the Bible. I don't know that he knows too much about it at all. No one thing he did know? He knew he wasn't saved. He knew he wasn't saved. That's why he said, what must I do to be saved? And what answer is he given? He comes into Paul and Silas. I like the fact that the text says, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's important to point out what they did not say. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you could be saved. It's not now could. It's not now might. It's not even now must. He already knew he must. The answer they give him is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You shall be saved at that very moment. I go back to those men in the in the burning building. If you were to ask them, are you saved? What do you think they're going to tell you? I'm not sure. I say, I'm sure, sure I'm saved. I'm here. I'm certain I'm saved because I'm not in the, the burning building any longer. I'm on the ground. As soon as they hit the ground, they were safe. Just to go back to the, you're in the water again. Are you safe now? Not in the water, you're not. But now you're on the shore and people are asking you, are you sure that, are you sure that you're saved? Of course I'm sure I'm saved. I'm here on the, I'm here. I'm on, I'm at the shore. Salvation is a certainty. I wouldn't want it any other way. God wouldn't want it any other way for you. You can be sure that you're safe in the Lord Jesus. He's a worthy savior. You can depend on him. Now in Acts 27, I'll end with this. We're just going to grab this phrase. It's a solemn phrase, but it brings out the reality of what we're preaching on. Paul speaks about the salvation being an impossibility. You cannot be saved. You cannot be. I tried to think of how that could be true of anyone. How could it ever be true of anyone that you now cannot be saved? If you die without Christ, if you die in your sins, you cannot be saved. It's too late. Too late for that thief. And listen, no amount of money will ever get anyone out. No amount of praying will ever get anyone out. Not even the cross of the Lord Jesus will be able to save anyone that leaves this world in their sins. If you die in your sins, Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot come. If you die in your sins, you cannot be saved. That's why this is serious. You know what? How else this could be true? If you won't let him save you, you can't be saved. You have to let him be the savior. You have to trust him to be the savior. You're not the savior. None of those men come down 
from that burning building and they say, did you see what I did there? I was pretty incredible. You know, the way I went down that ladder. They're pointing to that man and saying, that man is a great savior. I'm so thankful for that man that stood in my place and that, and that stood there so that I could be saved. You've been pulled from the boat. You just about drowned. And they brought you to safety. Nobody's saying, that was a pretty incredible feat out there on the water that I accomplished. What? No. You're pointing to the person that pulled you out. You're pointing to the one that had the power to rescue you. And that person is the one that receives the glory and the thanksgiving and the praise. If you won't let Christ save you, you can't be saved. Gypsy Smith was telling about a group of people that were forced to cross this swollen stream. And a great number of people, well, a lot of them couldn't swim, and a great number of them were drowned. One young man made a desperate attempt to save his mother. Her problem was, because she couldn't swim, she just kept grabbing on anything that she could grab onto her son. And he kept pushing his mother away, saying, Mom, you're going to have to let me, you're going to have to let me save you. Let go of me. She wouldn't. And she was swept away. And she was drowned. At the funeral, people that were there spoke about it afterwards, and they would never forget it. He stood by his mother's grave and kept saying over and over and over the same words. He said, Oh, mother, how hard I tried to save you, but you wouldn't let me. How hard I tried to save you. You wouldn't let me. Will you please just let go of what you're trying to do? It's not working anyway. Will you just let go and let Christ be the Savior? Let him save you. Depend on him. That mother, what she had to weigh up in her mind was this. I'm either going to keep trying what I'm trying, i got to do something, or I'm going to listen to my, what my son says and just trust him. She didn't trust him. She perished. Will you trust the Lord Jesus? He wants to save you, but you'll have to let him do the saving. You will have to depend on him. That's what it means to believe, by the way, in New Testament language. The word believe in English doesn't necessarily convey the, the entire picture that the word in the New Testament conveys. It's the word for dependence. It's the word for full trust. Tonight you could put your full trust. You could depend on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what Paul and Silas said to the jailer. And that's what we'll say as we end this meeting. Believe on. Depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Yes, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Believing simply means trusting. It means placing your confidence in the finished work of Christ on the cross and the person of Christ who cannot fail. His death for sin perfectly satisfied the justice of God and he wants you to take him as your own and personal Savior. Why don't you do that today? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. 
If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <laughs>